Hey, welcome to this Madre podcast number five featuring Yosimar Reyes, who's fucking hilarious. He's a badass. This is going to be a good one, guys. I guarantee it. Uh, before we get going, however, please check out this Madre.com slash store motherfuckers. Buy a t-shirt or a cap or some cards or whatever you want, really. Whatever you buy helps keep our studio running. If you don't give a shit about stuff, you're kind of one of those minimalists who does, you know, is trying to pare down your life and you just want the essential things in your life like this podcast, then you don't need to buy shit. Just go to patreon.com forward slash desmadre, chip in to our Patreon account. It's basically a way for you to support what we're doing here and you get a little bit of insider access. We tell you what's going on at the studio, blah, 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 blah. It's really cool. Check it out. Patreon.com forward slash desmadre. Um, the third thing you can do is please leave a review. A little five stars. I love this podcast. I wish he was a little funnier, though. Whatever. Just leave a comment and a review. That really helps us out. Um, otherwise, we hope you enjoy this podcast. Enjoy driving to work or taking a dump or working out or walking your dog. Whatever you do when you're listening to this podcast, I hope it's like fucking ten times better and that you like orgasm while listening. I'm not sure if that's good or not. Anyway, without further ado, Yosimar Reyes, poet, artist, educator, activist, fucking badass. Let's go. <laughs> Welcome to the Breakfast Club, motherfuckers. Lorella? <laughs> Angela, you. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Do you listen to morning radio? I, I listen to podcasts. I'm trying to become yeah. more like a professional working adult where I'm not just listening to ratchet music. I listen to actual intellectual. So there's a couple that I listen to. But it's really different because I feel like some podcasts, you know, specifically like social justice podcasts, they do too much in like making it super hyper political that it's kind of like. Dude, yeah. Yeah. So like, I can't I, really like. That. I can't watch. Uh, I I get like it's just like over over. Like they deconstruct everything. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Silly, like really. Yeah. Like, mucho. Yeah. Like, just keep it one hundred. You don't need to do all that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of been like the the ideal. I'm not. Sh- I don't think we're there. But the ideal here is just to talk to people. Yeah. And talk to the, you know get people's own stories, and I think that's a lot more illuminating than trying to. Like you said, deconstruct every fucking thing. Like it's just it sounds like it's just like a really bad undergraduate course where everybody's chatting and like. That's why I get in trouble because people think I hate, but it's just too much. (laughs) Little people blogging about me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well let's get going. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, people. Uh, Today we have Yosimar Reyes, who is a writer, a poet a performing artist i should say i think uh that's fair right yeah that's a performing artist uh you're also an activist uh and i i will tell people that um i think yosimar is on the cusp of something big i don't know exactly what but i see what you're doing yeah and i see your profile and i see your social media presence (laughs) (laughs) which is fucking hilarious um, and I see something where you eventually will have uh, kind of like a John Leguizamo sort of, and I, I, I don't know if you, I, you know, whether you like his shit or not, I'm just saying that sort of pool where you can go in and do shows like that. And I think the beauty of what Yosimata is doing is that he's, he is, um, he's an activist and he's talking about issues, whether it's uh, undocumented rights issues or whether it's queer issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the best thing about it is that it's fucking entertaining. 
Yeah. So that said, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Yosiman. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm like, yes. <laughs> captured it. You captured it. Yeah, no, it's very entertaining. And, and I think that's, God, like, you know, people just don't want to hear about the miserable, like, shit. Like, you know, he, sadly, like, you, people need to be entertained and they don't need to be just uplifted, like, corny shit, like, yeah. and whatever. I think people just want to hear, like you said, they want to keep it 100 yeah. and they want to just, you know, enjoy. Uh, the message nobody wants to be fucking depressed after listening to a podcast yeah. or going to a show or whatever um, but your home this is your home yeah. right I was raised in Eastside San Jose on Story and Capital um, in back of the Pet Boys by the McDonald's I like to tell people because <laughs> sometimes I get lost <laughs> I'm gonna scoot this over towards okay. you a little bit just to um, so Eastside East San Jose you were yeah. raised but you were born so I was, I'm originally from the state of Guerrero, Mexico, and luego my family migrated here when I was three years old. So I, I mean, I am from Mexico, but uh, I mean, I don't really know or remember anything. So I always say yeah. that I'm from Eastside San Jose. Since yeah. Where in Guerrero were you? Um, we're from a little town, Calatoyac de Alvarez, Guerrero. Kind of by Acapulco. Okay. Yeah. We're from Guerrero. Oh, sure. Yeah. So you know we're cousins? Seminary, oh, seminary cousins. Okay. And uh, <laughs> los somos paisanos. Yeah, our our our, uh, our grandfather, our maternal grandfather, um, they lived in a, a town called Zumpango del Rio Guerrero, okay. which is about twenty minutes from Chilpancingo. Oh my god, that is so crazy! Which, I don't meet a lot of people from Guerrero out here. It's pretty rare. They're all in New York. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's a lot of guerrenses in, in, in New York. Here, it's all fucking Michoacan or yeah, yeah, um, los norteños. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my papa is de Iguala. Okay, yeah. yeah and yeah. my mom is from Atoyac. That's crazy. That's, and yeah. you, you don't remember anything? I don't remember anything. I My grandma's like, she's very nostalgic. So she, my uncle used to send us VHS tapes. You know, of like what? back of like, we used to have a camera. Like, you go, go to Circuit City and buy a camera. Yeah. So, you know, Mexico filming is just like filming the roads and the church and the Zocalo or whatever. So my grandma would every, like there was a birthday party at the house or something. She would like put the tape on. So we would just watch tapes of like the streets. Of- <laughs> It's <laughs> fucking dope. It's like National Geographic, yeah. like Planet Earth yeah, of like the fucking like, the Socalo. Yeah, super immigrant style. Um, she still has them. She's so cute because she's uh, she has the VHA steps, but she has them in like plastic bags because she wants to maintain. You should tape. get them transferred. I like, know. To I need digital. to get them transferred. Yeah. So that, see, use them for a show or something. I didn't have to ask her to do it. Crazy. But it's just my uncle with a camera and everybody <laughs> in Mexico saying hi. They didn't like accidentally like an ass like a girl or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my uncle's very much like that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like that. Nice. So you see, so I didn't grow up in the Bay Area. Uh-huh. Uh, honestly, I have started getting to know San Jose. Even though I've lived in the Bay Area for almost 20 years. I have not gotten to know San Jose more than I have in the last year and a half since we moved into this office. Because mm-hmm. I'm like a little Stanford bitch. Uh-huh. You know, I came yeah. out here for Stanford, yeah. and then I've always kind of, like, I Kicked lived... Kicked it around. Yeah, Palo Paul Alto, you mm-hmm. know? And then I lived in Mountain View, and now we live in Cupertino and stuff, and then I also kind of work in tech. So I've always been, like, more part of the outsider, yeah. like, Silicon Valley yeah. kind of shit. But it's been really cool getting to know, like, the Sonido Clash guys. Yeah. And then, obviously, the people the at D-Bug. D-Bug. And seeing what everybody's up to here and like getting to know like the fucking local pride. Like, I really like San Jose. I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, I lived in San Francisco because I went to school over there. I graduated yeah. from San Francisco State. And everybody be like, oh, it's so far. I'm like, it's not at yeah. all. Like, it's not even that far. If yeah. I can get out here for shows, people can come to San Jose. Yeah. Um, and I like it because I feel like 
you know, we're recognized as Silicon Valley, but a people, there's a lot of working class people here. Yeah. You know, like a, like the tech boom has not hit Eastside San Jose. <laughs> like, yeah. there's people still without internet out there. <laughs> so <laughs> don't believe the hype. Um, but I really like it because I feel like that's where, you know, all my stories and my work really comes from there. It's really rooted there. It's rooted in, in, in this block. Um, and I don't know. I feel like really proud to be from here, even though sometimes I get frustrated with the art scenes. Yeah. But I think there's people here who are actively engaged in, in changing that and representing. So. What was it like growing up there? I guess this, so this was what year did you arrive? So we arrived in 1991. OK. And we're like those migrants that don't believe in moving. So when we arrived, we're still in the same apartment since we arrived. Shit, really? <laughs> yeah. So everybody on the block. So it was really interesting because like in the 90s when we moved there, um, we're on store. We're in the street called Colmar Drive in Colmar. When we moved in, it was mostly like a lot of Samoans mm. um, and Black people, and it's it just like it's just really different how demographics change. Yeah. Um, because I remember we were like the only Mexicans growing really? up there. Huh. Yeah, yeah, we were like, and we, you know, my family didn't really speak English. I spoke English because my my cousins, you know, they already went to elementary school. So by the time yeah. I started, I already knew English. Yeah. Um, but it was very like that. And it was like hood. It was so hood. Like people were just fighting the streets. My, but my, you know, I feel like there's the common thread within like people of color communities. There's a common respect for elders. Yeah. So my grandma and my grandpa, like I feel like off the bat because they were old and they had me. Like there was like, this common respect of not messing with the old people in the neighborhood. So we never had any issues. Like yeah. we would see everything happen yeah. all around us. But even the Samoan ladies, they used to fight to defend my grandma. So my grandma was like a boss ass chick. <laughs> <laughs> I saw. I saw you did a video, right, of your yeah. grandmother. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that, like how that came about, and maybe describe some of that? Like so we did a video. Um, so I, I, the work that I do right now is focusing on telling stories of undocumented people, specifically in the United States. And one of the things that I've noticed a lot is that sometimes when we talk about undocumented people, we fall on the same narratives. Um, since I don't know who introduced. This, this narrative in 2006 when everything started popping off but it's very been very much like you know appealing to the moral consciousness of sure. a citizen that doesn't like immigrants and I, that's never really been my approach you know like if people don't like you they don't like you like it's, <laughs> it doesn't matter how much you cry like girl I don't like you you know um, so I decided to like no let me produce a video using my grandmother as a subject one I feel like undocumented narratives in the mainstream have always been based on young people like everybody's like look at these like me like look at this kid that came at three years old it's not his fault it's his parents fault that they yeah. brought him here yeah. you know like let's not punish him like yeah. let's give him papers and I was like I, I don't I don't believe in that you know and so I was like we never showcase old people like how yeah. old undocumented people are surviving the system so like I need to showcase my grandma and have her tell her story the way she wants to tell it my grandma's 85 um she's such a hustler like yeah. growing up she would sell everything she was like the grandma that sold sodas out of her house and even i told her now like you're selling diabetes to our community <laughs> but she's all like ellos compran you know yeah. <laughs> um she sells tarjetas telefonicas she would like everything she used to hustle babysit everything um wow. But now that she's older, she find her she found her passion in Mary Kay. So now, <laughs> so now she hustles Mary Kay, even though she doesn't really know how to say the products. And I'm like circling the order for her. 
um, and and recycling, recycling bottles and cans. So we were like, oh, let me showcase the way that she's working. And yeah, her thing is like, whether I have papers or not, like you can't stop me from working. Yeah, I know how to make money, and I'm gonna make money regardless if I if I have a social security number. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that I want to showcase of undocumented people. We don't wake up every day thinking like. I'm undocumented. My life is hard. Like people are hustling. Los señores se suben a the truck at five in the morning, and they're working. Like yeah. you, you can't stop undocumented labor. People, are, it's in demand, and people are going to continue working. Yeah, it's yeah. Not like we're waiting. Yeah. Were you Were you raised by your grandmother? Yeah. So yeah. I was raised. I was. So it's interesting because my mom came first. But I think she found it really, really hard, you know, as an immigrant woman in this country. So she found, she um, she married my stepdad. So by the time I came, like, they really couldn't take care of me. So, you know, I think they just left me with my grandma. And since three years, since I came here, I've always lived with my grandma and my grandpa. So, That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So I kind of grew up like an only child. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Um, so East San Jose in the 90s, it sounds like it was pretty rough and stuff. You went to, um, you graduated from high school. Yeah. Um, Latino College Prep? Yeah, yeah Latino yeah. College Prep. Yeah. I was supposed to go to James Lake, but then someone got stabbed that summer, and my mom was like, no te vamos a mandar ahí, you know, and she sent me to a, a charter school. Yeah, yeah. Which I, was pretty dope, because it was like 100, like 400 students for the whole school. Yeah. I I did a small video uh, for uh, a guy that I met who uh, he was an English teacher who probably wasn't there when you were there. When did you graduate? Two thousand and six. Six. This guy named Judd Ta- Ta- Toby. No, he was Judson Toby. He was an English teacher there. Uh, he started a, a lacrosse program, so that was his Mexican kids playing lacrosse. Mexican playing lacrosse. Okay. They're they're good. That's they're awesome. really good. Um, Judd, uh, he started this team and, and got all these kids into it. And, and several of the kids have gotten uh, lacrosse scholarships at, like, Santa Cruz and, That's like, so these awesome. good, good colleges and stuff. So they – because they didn't have a football team. It's not a big – the school's not big it's enough. It's not big. Not big enough to have, we like, all only We only had soccer, I yeah. remember. Yeah, they had soccer, but there was no, like, kind of, like, contact sport. Yeah. And that was his thing is, like, some of these guys, they want, like, an aggressive sport. Yeah. And I think, like, lacrosse is, like, a good middle ground, and it's cheaper than doing, like, a football team yeah. and stuff. Um, and then I, I feel like I knew somebody else who worked there. But anyway, what was it like going there? And, and like, what were you? I mean, so you're you were undocumented, mm-hmm. and are you still undocumented? Or have yeah, you gone I'm through still DACA? Or? I have DACA, but yeah. that's not nothing. That's is, like that's interesting. So you consider that undocumented? Yeah. DACA. Yeah. Is that normal for people to be like? I people. Some people say no. Those like oh check your privilege and whatnot. But I feel like you basically what I, so basically for people a lot of people don't even know what that is. Mm-hmm. So DACA is basically you pay the government, they give you a two year work permit, and then if I were to get stopped for something, they wouldn't put me in deportation proceedings. Right. So I could like you know travel through checkpoints like. Texas and Arizona, get yeah. me and cl- come close to the border without being fear, fear without fear of deportation. Right, and you, it, you get a work permit too, right? Yeah, a two-year work permit. Yeah. Um, so you become competitive in the work field. Um, but it's just like it's not a status. Like it's like even when I file things, like a lot of employers were like, "What is that?" You know, like because I can't check U.S. citizen, I can't check visa, I can't check nothing, yeah. and there's no box for DACA. Yeah. It's something fairly new and. That it, it it really isn't. You don't really have any. All you could do is work. Yeah, yeah. It certainly. It seems like um, DACA has been like a bittersweet, like it's you know, breadcrumbs. Oh my yeah. god! I shouldn't say that because somebody's gonna like you know. 
like when I petitioned for citizenship. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's that's a, that's exactly why it's frustrating, though, yeah. is because you still feel limited. Like it's so limited. It's just it's not. Yeah, I'm grateful for the people that fought for us to get that. Yeah, and a lot of people like to say like, oh, Obama gifted us that, but people don't recognize that there was a lot of people doing civil disobedience. Yeah. a lot of people actively engaged in promoting that. So it didn't. People twisted his arm for him to do that. Yeah. Um, so nothing, you know, not for nothing. Like it, it's we, we worked for this. Yeah. Um, so, but they all know it's it really isn't anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's certainly and 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 somebody else could be elected and immediately overturn it. Overturn it, and I feel yeah. like in a way, what it did, and the, the the like the sad part about that, I think it worked to pacify a lot of the undocumented people. A lot of people are like, yeah. oh, we're satisfied with th- this work permit, and you know, the work kind of like be- became a halt. Like people are like, okay, yeah. yeah. So it kind of pacified us in a way. <sighs> That's fucking frustrating. <laughs> no, it's very, very, very frustrating. And but and allegedly, Hillary, if she wins, she's gonna give us papers, the hundred days in office. That's <laughs> Is that what part Ob- of her? That's what she said. The platform, yeah. But you know, Obama said that, and then he became the president that has deported more people than any other president. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all of this is. Uh, we talked a little bit about this. I think with I mentioned this with Marco and how all of the the current politics is so uh, polarized that um, everything just seems like you have to compartmentalize. Like, okay, like it's okay that he did this really fucked up shit, and uh, because he's doing this or like. You know, yeah, I was the, like, oh, he can't fix everything. You right, know? right. But I think ultimately, as undocumented people, like, in order for you to keep hope, it just focus on your like your being shit. happy and just because it gets it gets daunting, right? To think yeah. about like, damn, I'm never gonna get papers. But little by little, you have to take it day by day and just you know, if my grandma's happy and satisfied, I'm like, why do am I tormenting myself thinking like yeah. something's gonna happen? You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 So when you when you graduated from high school, um, what was what was next? What and how did you how did you fucking pay for college? I mean, how so did you one of the good things about being undocumented is that you have to be balling. And I pay for college. I throw it in the bag, so I don't got no loans to pay to nobody. <laughs> um, but when I graduated, I, w- I went to the National Hispanic University, which at the time was active part of the the, the charter school that I went yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. So I did my first two years there, and then after a while, I just didn't feel. I was like, this is not challenging for me. I felt like as an institution, it was cool, but I just didn't, it wasn't for me. I was like, yeah. I, I know that I, I can excel beyond this. And yeah. then I remember I got in a, into a fight with a professor and he told me that he's like, the reason you're in this school, cause you could ne- you would never be able to make it in community college. And I Jesus was like, oh damn. Christ. And this is a Brown professor telling me that. Right. And I was like, uh, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I'm like, I quit. And so I quit the school and I went, to, I enrolled myself in community college. And then I was like, see, this is the stuff that I need to be studying. I need to be you know reading authors or things that are, are that i feel are are more engaging and challenging and then i was like i need to transfer but i was work i needed to work because i need to pay for for you know my grandma doesn't have money so uh, my first job was working at the at the ymca the east valley ymca so i started working there as a tutor and then eventually saved up money um, and the good thing about me is like I was already doing poetry and performing, so a lot of people were kind of getting a sense of, you know, where I was or the kind of work that I was doing. And I remember the coolest thing I did was I got I applied. I was gonna apply to Berkeley, mm-hmm. but then I was like, dude, I need to get out of here in two years in, in undergrad. Like I don't have time to spend. 
doing research and deconstructing and joining this group. I don't have time <laughs> and I don't have the money to expend on like yeah, yeah. I don't need that. I need to go to a school that's gonna g- get me out as fast as possible. Yeah. So like a state school. Like I don't need to be, you know, I don't so I decided to apply to San Jose State and San Francisco State. I got accepted to both and the reason I didn't stay in San Jose was like I cannot stay here. I need to. San Francisco is far enough for me to learn the world and navigate it by myself. Yeah. And I went there, and then it was time for me to pay. <laughs> and I was like, I don't have money, so I'm gonna throw a GoFundMe. Um, and I was like, I need to raise. And at first, I was modest. You know, I, I'll, if I raise my first year, I can, you know, manage my way to work and then pay the whole year, next year. And then somebody yeah. told me, "Don't be stupid, just do the whole thing." I remember I did like a GoFundMe for five thousand. And at the time, already people already kind of knew who I was because yeah. I've done pretty yeah. big things. Um, and then I had somebody that's like emailed me. He's like, "If you can raise five thousand within the next twenty four hours, I'll match it." Fuck. So I was like, y'all better come through right now and yeah. donate because I need to make $5,000. And in two days, I raised $10,000 and I paid for my two years of college. Damn, that's crazy. That's <laughs> and that's crazy. the power of social media and yeah. having kind of a presence that yeah. people want to support. And I feel like it's a community investment. If anything, yeah. I think people see you as somebody that represents them and somebody that's, you know, the, the, the reason they donate is because they believe that I'm I'm going to use in the end. Do something gonna, good. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, that's it's super challenging, especially um, I've heard it's um, graduate school is really tough. Yeah, because it's so expensive. I'm thinking about it now, but I feel like now like it's a game, right? Like I feel like now like I people all constantly ask me like, oh, can you tell us your undocumented story? And I'm like. <laughs> uh, we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> this is different. This, this is different. <laughs> no, but it's more like no, because I feel like there's a pre- preemptive thing to like telling people. You know, like they, yeah, they yeah. want me to be like, oh, I can't. Vine cuando tres tres años con los pies descalzos crossing the desert, and, and I and I joke about that now. I'm like, yeah. I only do that or cry if it's gonna come with a scholarship, you know, because I feel like you gotta use it. If people People, if people want to, there's a certain level of, of trauma that people. I don't know if you, if you experienced like like especially with colleges and and um, no. and underrepresented communities. There, there's a certain level of trauma that you need to like reflect in order for them to view you valuable to come into the institution. I don't know. That's had been my 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 experience. Yeah, I mean, I I think my experience at college. I mean, I, I was very fortunate that um, I had, like, some high school teachers mm-hmm. who were, like, guiding me. Obviously, I, I was born here, so I, I didn't have mm-hmm. that issue, the barrier of, like, getting scholarships and whatnot. My parents were fucking broke. That's yeah. a whole other issue. But um, I kind of got really lucky where I had a few teachers who put me into, like, the accelerated programs mm-hmm. and, and growing up. And then I did some summer programs. And then, yeah, I ended up at Stanford. But I was terribly unprepared. Yeah. And I mean, I pretty much after my were you there? Like, what are they talking about? <laughs> in my in my because I did like science, I did engineering, oh. and I started doing like initially I thought I was going to do chemistry, and I did like a year and a half of these chemistry classes, and I, I was like lost. And the math, I mean, I got this one math class. This it was a it was a, a calculus. It was like calculus fifty one, like the third mm-hmm. calculus. Um, and I remember I got the final, and I fucking swear to God, it was 42 pages. It was a three-hour calculus final, and it was 42 pages. And they handed them out, 
and I could not fucking believe it. And uh, I, I was just like, I, I knew I was going to fail. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the professor handed him out or whatever, and he was like, does anybody have any questions? And I was just being a, a dumbass, and I was like, yeah, I've, I've got a question. And he's like, yeah, over there. And I said, uh, I said, I think you gave me a book, bro. Oh like, God. I need a test. You gave uh-huh. me a book. And everybody started cracking up, and he just kind of, like, walked off. Uh, oh my god! And I, uh, it was awful. It was awful. So you know, it it was, it's definitely it was more for me. Like the academics were super challenging. Um, I definitely stuck more to like my fucking Beaner friends. Mm-hmm. Like we had like the Stanford Society of Chicano Latino mm-hmm, Engineers mm-hmm. and Scientists. We pretty much just drank. Yeah. Um, but when it came down to it, we would help each other out. And there were a few brown people who were smart as fuck. Yeah. And like they just kind of came out, you know, not they came out of nowhere, but they were just like brilliant. Yeah. And everybody helped each other. You know, we had like. We'd go to Centro Chicano and do our problem sets yeah. together and, like, just kind of help each other out that way. And, you know, in retrospect, like, it was cool. I had these, like, my amazing, these are my closest friends still. But, you know, I do feel like I kind of missed out because I didn't know, like, you know, kids were going skiing and shit. Yeah. And I was like, who the fuck are these people? They, yeah. they can go skiing. Yeah, they can go <laughs> they're, they're going to Tahoe and, you know, shit like that. It's different. I think it's, yeah, I think once you go to UC, I think for me it was like, yeah, I'm like, oh my God, not everybody grew up like I did. So, yeah, most people. See the disparities. Yeah, there's huge income disparities. But, you know, like when I, when I talk to younger people, maybe who are, you know, if I was talking to somebody going into the situation like I did or maybe like you did, mm-hmm. I'd be like, make friends with everybody. Yeah. Like, because those people are going to be able to help you out and you'll be able to help them out. And like, that's like, that's kind of the beauty of a good undergraduate. Like, And also like admitting that you don't know things. Like for me, that was, like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, bro. Like, you, yeah. you, you talking. I feel like that was my English class. I was like, everybody went around and everybody's talking about their favorite novels. And I read a lot. I, I'm an avid reader, but I was like, I don't read that boring stuff. Like, I don't, read, I feel like. <laughs> I don't read that white shit. Yeah, I feel, no, I feel like in English classes, People fake the funk. They want to seem like super into like, oh, I love yeah. Moby Dick. Like, really? Like, really? I, I'm sure you do. You know, like, I don't, I read like Sister Soldier, you know, like, I read like other things. Like, I don't not read that stuff. But I remember I used to watch Wishbone. So that's why I remember all the classics because it was like, it was a show. What is Wishbone? Wishbone was like this dog that used to like reenact all the classes for PBS kids. Oh, tight. So, so he reenacted like, you know, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, like all the American classics yeah so when i went to class i channeled that this is me in college i channeled that so they, they talked about the classics i already knew the plot because i had watched it in wishbone nice. so see in hood intellect <laughs> <laughs> who's your favorite novelist oh my god there's so many i feel like i right now well of course tony morrison like i it's yeah. I, and it's sad that you know she's viewed as a canon but we don't study her as much and specifically in english courses like how to take a class on virginia wolf all semester I didn't know what the fuck she was talking about, but <laughs> somehow I passed. So Toni Morrison, who else? Toni Morrison, James Baldwin, with the Latinos, you know, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and yeah. um, and all those folks. You know, I, 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 uh, Sherman Alexi, like yeah. people that tell stories that I feel resonate uh, with my experience. You yeah. know, so yeah. that's the kind of writer that I want to be. Like yesterday, I performed at Stanford. Um, and I was I oftentimes like question like oh my god like who wants to read these poems who wants to read this and then I have an audience of people like dude your writing is so relatable and I'm like dude yeah. there's an audience for this like somebody is gonna relate to this work like I really need to trust in that yeah no I think that's one of the things we always talk about here is that like 
if the shit is well made, yeah, whether it's a video or you know whatever, like it's going to be relatable. Yeah, if you're telling like a story that's true and 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 people have people do have the same experiences across cultures. Yeah, it's universal. Yeah, I think everybody are, knows what it's like to be broke. Yeah, everybody <laughs> knows what it's like to be broke. Everybody knows what it's like to be heartbroken. Yeah. Everybody knows what it's like to, you know, like lose someone. And yeah. um, so all these things are universal. And, and if you're good at it, it doesn't matter what the uh, specificity is yeah. with regards to culture. Um, and, and I think we certainly like to think like, okay, inevitably, like just like hip hop, like everybody loves hip hop, yeah. even though no, you know, White kids love hip hop, yeah. and any girl, whatever. Yeah. Um, so if it's well made and it's entertaining and it's moving, I think it's gonna work. And and yeah, I think like that's something I you know, you know artists of color I think inevitably have to kind of just get over. Yeah, say. definitely. And I think one of the things for me is always I was hung up with like some, one of my parents told me not to write with a chip on my shoulder because I was really aware like okay I'm undocumented I'm queer I'm hella Mexican I grew up in the hood. But they're like, don't write like that. Just write as in, like, you know what you see every day. Like, write yeah. in the way, the, know that the, the story is universal. Like, you don't have to be people. Yeah. Like, like when I'm writing, I'm not trying to convince you to vote for immigration reform. Like, if you if you feel compelled to do so after doing that, like, knowing yeah. the story, then by all means, do it. If you don't, then it's cool. At least you read the work. Like, it's not like I'm persuading you in it. Yeah. Or to even like queer people. If you don't like gay people... God bless you, you know, like, <laughs> I don't really care. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Talk about that experience. I mean, when did you come out? Like, how was that with your family and, like, in your community yeah. and shit? Like, So when I was growing up, I used to be really, really shy. And it was more because I was dealing with all these things. Like, here I am, sleeping on the living room floor, like, in the hood. Um, my grandparents are old. They don't understand anything. I have to translate to them everything. I feel like they have a different... For them, it was survival. They didn't really sure. care about, like, the... The cultural expectations that the U.S. puts on on on, on sure. kids. Yeah. Like my grandma go pick me up and she would scream from like the top of her lungs my nickname Gordo, like in front of everybody. <laughs> so embarrassing, right? But she didn't get the. And I would be like, "Don't come pick me up. Like I don't need you to pick." She me would up. do this at school. At school, or like even in a high school, she wanted to walk me to school, <laughs> and I was like, "No, I don't need you to walk me to school. Like I'm a freshman." Like. <laughs> She didn't understand, you know, the, I think yeah. the whole cultural thing. Um, and my grandpa didn't either. But I was dealing with all these social pressures. Um, but then I would have a journal, so I would write them down. And one of my English uh, teachers was like, dude, you should perform your poetry. Um, and I was like, I don't want to. That's so embarrassing. But then I submitted a poem. I had to perform it, but I didn't show up because I got scared. I didn't like public. Nobody likes public speaking. And then, but it won a prize. So I got, I remember I got like 50 bucks or something. I'm like, nice. dude, people pay for this. Like I could write something better. And since then I started writing. And then I remember I had my big booking. I was like, I think I was like junior in high school and they flew us to Portland, Oregon oh, to shit. perform for like a Cesar Chavez conference or something, <laughs> something like that. Bring in the brown children. Bring in the brown children <laughs> to represent the migrant experience. Bring the gay one up yeah, now. Yeah, bring the gay one up. We could talk about this stuff. Um, and I did it. And I remember, like, I think the hardest part of coming out, specifically as Latino, queer, or an undocumented person, is coming out to yourself. Because you realize that you're going to become this person that's constantly going to have to educate people, specifically in your yeah. family. And I grew up Baptist, so my mom, no everything's about, like... Yeah. You know, you're going to go to hell. And yeah. now I'm like, Mom, hell is a social construction <laughs> that keeps us all enslaved and, you know, keeps us from living our true lives and our true <laughs> desires. 
I was like, callate. <laughs> um, but yeah, but now I, I think it became easier. I think as I got older and started writing more about it, it was like, dude, there's nothing wrong with it. It is what it is. Like, yeah. I, I don't, you know, and it it so happens that like I, I, in my family, I'm viewed as like the most successful one. So it's like, okay, <laughs> y'all can't tell me nothing because cuando quieren que les pese dinero, I, you know, <laughs> I like diet call Yossi, you know, but, um, but yeah, I think my family has become very like, you know, they see me as that little kid that came here when I was three, and they see that I'm I, I, I'm I'm fighting to to get out or to do something with my life. So they're very supportive. Yeah. My grandma's like, as long as you're not doing drugs or drinking, then I'm happy. But you know, something she doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So what um, what it, what do you think was like the big uh, turning point for your work? Like, was there, like, a certain piece? I know uh, there's, like, a, um, a couple of, uh, like, poems that really broke, right? Or yeah. Can you yeah. talk about some of that so stuff? So when or? I was, I think the biggest turning, so this is a crazy story. Like, when I was 19, I was performing. I had my big first solo show at La Peña Culture Center here in mm-hmm. Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I was done with uh, the National Spec University. I was thinking I was already in, in, in in, in in at Evergreen, I went to Evergreen Community College, um, but at the time I had my big, I was like, dude, I want people to take me seriously as a writer. I don't want people to be like, oh, this, he's just writing poems. Like, it really happens. Like, oh, he's just teenage angst, you know? Like, he's just a little teenage angst poet. Um, I'm like, no, I want people it's to take me Mexican me. emo motherfucker. Uh huh. Like a little Morrissey. Um, but I had my big show, and then that's when I got a call that. Carlos Santana and Harry Belafonte wanted to come see me perform because yeah. they heard about me through through my school, uh, through NHU, because they were donating money to that the school, and so they saw they heard about me. They're like, they want to come and see your work, and I was like, dude, that's so crazy. Like, okay, come through. I didn't think, I, you know, I I'm very much one of those like bitter Mexicans that doesn't really get excited about anything because I'm used to life just shitting on me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, okay, come through. I'm like, they're not coming, whatever. So I get on there, and then they're all like, they're in the audience. I'm like, that's oh, I want to give a shout out thank you for Carlos Santana Harry Belafonte they're here to support um and after that they're like we want to take you to dinner um and I was popping off I was slowly getting more bookings and then he's Carlos is all like I want you to come tomorrow we're having a show Harry Belafonte is organizing a conference or something he wants you to perform can you come through and I was like oh I might be able to but I'm gonna be in Pomona because I had a booking in Pomona Uh um for another conference and they're all like, just, we'll fly you out. Just go perform in the morning, yeah. and we'll fly you out by the evening. You know, it's not that far. So I'm like, oh, shoot, one plane, one out, you know? Nice. I'm down with that. So here I am. Like, what was the piece, or what were you, was there, like, a set? Or what, what were you, like, tell us, like, what, what do you actually do? Like, So the poem that I was reading, I don't know. It, it was a set. So it was a series of poems, but it was mostly about, like, being bridging immigration with sexuality, like, talking about, like, the intersections of that. Mm-hmm. Um so I I probably it was probably a really really bad poem. You know, I was I was like in eighteen nineteen. So it was really tragic, probably. Um, so I get off the conference in Pomona. I'm flying from the airport. The I think it's the Ontario airport over there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm flying out of there, and I have at the time it was like post nine eleven. You know, 
now I was everybody was going crazy at the airport. Every you know they're checking everything, and I was traveling with my matricula, you know, el consulado de la matricula, because yeah. they don't at the time California didn't give you no ID. Yeah. You, you came, you know, passport or yeah. anything. Or only have as a documented person your matricula. And one of the things that the consulado really needs to get it together is those matriculas be looking like they make them at a tropicana. You know, they look <laughs> so rash, like get all like <laughs> this. <laughs> this matricula screams Mexican. You know, like it's just tacky. It's just like, you know, there's like whoever designed it was like, I'm bored here. Here's an ID. Um, so I showed this ID to the TSA officer. Beside the TSA officer was another agent. But they were dressed as civilians, as normal people, right? Like they were like, I guess they were undercover or something. Hmm. Just um, police in the airport. Yeah. And they just start questioning me. Oh, but eventually they let me go. But it was just like the most scariest thing. You know, I'm 19 and here I am. There are people telling me like, you're not supposed to be here. Uh, then I fly yeah. into, I fly to Oakland. I do the show. And I was, Carlos is like, how, what do you want? What, what do you picture yourself doing? I'm like, I want a book. I want people to take, take me seriously as a writer. And I want a book. And then he helped me publish the first book collection of the chapbook that i that i have what's the name of that for color boys who speak softly and, and can people buy that now like is it available yeah or? you can i well i'm running i have my own it's independently so i sell it on my own i have yeah. stopped selling it because i feel like it's just so old it doesn't represent me anymore but I, here, here and there i get people that are like want to purchase it yeah eventually if i ever make it it's gonna be worth a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> well i think i think the the, the beauty of like I mean, you should keep selling it. That's my suggestion because yeah. it shows like an evolution. Yeah, and that's like awesome. Like, um, we're actually gonna have um, Sherry Moraga on in a few weeks. Oh my god, that's awesome! And, I love her. Uh, yeah, and and I I was I was reading like her first uh-huh. you know published collection, and then I'm reading like the last one, and it's crazy. You know, totally different. I mean, it's it's not totally different, but you see an evolution there. Yeah, and and uh, and uh, so it's really important for. I that. feel like when I was earlier, I, younger, I was more idealistic and very like oh, for sure. very like oh you know I envision a world like now that I'm older I'm like uh, I'm more practical you're not even that old how, how old are you I'm 28 yeah you're 28 so shut the fuck up you're not very old well but I'm a lot more practical that's that's where that's where like Sherry's thing comes in too is that you know I think when you're young you envision like at, you envision like a community of like like-minded people and you envision change like for everyone and then i think as you get older you're like okay it's i just gotta worry about yeah. you gotta worry about me and maybe the, that's where i'm at i just yeah. want to pay my rent and get my grandma for her little mary Kay products like that's <laughs> that makes me happy that's all i want in life <laughs> that's not all you want like, don't fucking lie <laughs> what, 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 what i mean what do you want like as a performer you've done a book uh do you want to do more writing like yeah. that or do you want to do so right more, now like, i'm working on a one-man show so i have it's called prieto that's a working time title um we presented at Galeria de la Raza I just came back from New York so I presented in the in the Bronx how'd that go Uh, it was good it was a different audience totally different from you know there's no like Mexican presence it's not as pervasive as it is in California yeah um but it was good I felt like it, it it went really well and received well um and if anything, build my network out there for sure. more. Um, so I performed there. I performed for a thing called Barrio Fest, showcasing um, just Mexican artists in New uh, York. In New York. Yeah. So it was good. It was fun. But oh yeah, ahorita estoy trabajando in, in the one man show. I'm going back. I'm finally going back to Mexico in December. So you got your parole time. or whatever. Well, or, I'm yeah. waiting for the government to yeah. say yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, I mean, they should be able. To, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm scheduled to be there for a month. Nice. And Are you gonna do in shows I want to. I want to yeah. build with artists over there. I feel like yeah. there's so much work happening in Mexico that yeah. I want to. Voy dos semanas a la ciudad de Mexico, and the rest I'm gonna go to Guerrero. 
um, to just it's nice. gonna be crazy to just see where I come from and how far. So it's know. been 26 years or 25 yeah. years. Yeah, I came when I was three. 25 years. I don't really know anything. Damn, dude. Mi abuelito's over there now. He left two years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be definitely a, a culture shock. Or I don't know. I just want. I feel like for me, like my thing is like I want to let go of the fear. I feel like immigrants in this country get taught this fear of, to fear going back. Yeah. Especially your parents, like, oh, qué vas a hacer allá? You know, no hay, no hay futuro, no hay nada. Yeah. But I'm like, I want to let go of that, you know, because I'm yeah. not trying to be undocumented at 40. You know, like that. The world is so big. Why am I limiting myself? Yeah, that's one of the things Marco brought up when I was asking him about. Uh, we were just talking about like queer rights and immigrant rights stuff in the U.S. And, and I asked him very specific questions about the U.S. And he said, you know, that I understand you're asking that question, but I kind of think about the world. Yeah. And I'm worried about the people of the world, yeah. not just the U.S. And I think that's a really cool way to think about one's place in the world too yeah. you know you could go you could be doing the same work in mexico yeah. you could go live in mexico yeah. and, and that shouldn't be considered like a sub uh-huh. alternative to living here yeah like i think the world is so connected now with the internet you could go down there and start a podcast yeah. or start a web series or something yeah. and and make a living yeah um it's challenging i think there's some safety issues down there <laughs> my yeah. mom my mom lives in cuernavaca uh-huh. um and we still, you know, she's like, no salgo después de las seis. Yeah. She's like, hago todas mis, mis cosas en la mañana. You know, it, people like, even places where it's considered safe, like people are living a different sort of life in Mexico. Yeah, it's a different awareness. Yeah, a yeah. lot of people, specifically Guerrero, you know, like right now yeah. it's hot over there. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just so yeah. intense. But I don't know. It's just like, you know, like it. I, for me, it's like I really need to learn to let go of that. Like, what am I holding on to this idea within the U.S.? You know, like, I don't know. That's well, you should definitely be. That, that's, that's cool. You're actually the third person that I know locally who has gone back after, you know, like 20-something years. Um, and it's crazy. It's crazy. Do you know, you know Adrian? Mm-hmm. Adrian Avila? Yeah. He, just, he just went. Yeah, he just went. Um, that's crazy. Uh, uh, yeah, Man. we'll see. Yeah, hopefully yeah, everything goes right. I will come back with the, uh, a lot of more writing. <laughs> fucking rediscover your fucking core, your Mexican core. Yeah, I want to realize how. I know. I be like claiming Mexican identity. Yeah. I'm like I'm Mexican. I'm Mexican. Luego ya que llegue, they're like, no, you're not. <laughs> Shut up. Get out of here. Get out of here. You ain't one of us. <laughs> So you're working on the one man show. What's mm-hmm. the? That's why I kind of mentioned, I think, to the John Leguizamo yeah. sort of reference. Like, I mean, I think he's able to do work that is very culturally specific to his experience. Yeah. But that he's bomb. I really, yeah, yeah, I definitely like. I love his work. I think it's really, really profound and powerful. But yeah, yeah, for me, it's like it's the first time that I do something different and as big as this. But it's really. I just want to capture like that. Like I want to capture it. The, so the show is basically the evolution of like me growing up in Eastside San Jose and me really navigating all these cultural influences. It has all kinds of subject, masculinity, um, you know, Mexicanidad, um, 
you know, immigration, but like all convulsing. I feel like when I was growing up, everybody would always tell me like, you need to be more of a boy. You need to be more of a boy, like a standard of masculine, Mexican masculinity, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then I look for the examples and like pinches borrachos <laughs> and like mujeriegos. <laughs> and I'm like, really, bro? You really want me to be that? Like absent fathers. And, like, Come on now. <laughs> I don't You're know. stereotyping, bro. You're stereotyping, man. I was, well, that I'm, was the examples that I got. I was like, I really do not want to be that. I do not want yeah. to be. No, no, I get. Yeah, and then yeah. I would see like the yeah. gender dynamics of growing up. All my primas. I'm like, girl, really? You're so cute. And you're like tripping over this dude that's not paying your rent. And <laughs> it just So that kind of influenced my gold digger mentality. And I'm like, nah, you know, I date. Dude. Are you a gold digger? Do you have I'm not a gold, gold digger, digger but I have standards. Like I'll date. You know, I don't date people that don't have a certain credit score. You know, yeah. and I feel like if my pri if my primas growing up knew what a credit score was, they probably wouldn't be in the predicament that they are currently. You, you, they should there should be an app where like you know you're gonna date someone and you can like swipe their credit card and yeah, it would be. Like, I feel like that's like... so easy. I feel like <laughs> now I know it sounds like we live in such a patriarchal culture, right? But if, if we teach undocumented immigrant women, we will all get papers, bro, with a quickness. Because there's people <laughs> out here just trying to wet us, you know? <laughs> um, but it's just, I don't know. I, I grew up with those examples. And that's what the show really does. It, the show that I'm writing is really kind of how do I stand in the middle ground, right? Like looking yeah. at these examples, like knowing what to do. And at the end, really coming out, really, you know, finding my own way out. Finding my own way to, to live a life that's rid of shame and just happy like yeah 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 because yeah. you know mexicans we got a lot of problems <laughs> a lot of cultural problems we are so prideful too we like yes i'm mexican i don't know yeah yeah but we got to work on some things specifically the gender thing <laughs> The gender thing. And then they're like, I grew up with hella homophobic ass dudes, right? They're like, yeah. oh, you're hot like, But yeah. then I would be like playing, running around, and they're the first dudes that hit on me. And I'm like, that's so awkward. <laughs> like, they wanted like a bro job or something. I'm like, what is, what is that? <laughs> what is that? We need to deconstruct that. Let's deconstruct it right here. Yeah, it's just, right it was odd. I feel like the mo like this is how you know the, the closet cases because the most hyper-masculine dudes are the first ones to be like, so what's up? Really? That was my experience. Luego ya cuando están todos pedos a las 3 de la mañana listening to Chalino Sanchez, they want to get all mañosos. <laughs> I'm telling you, bruh. Si o no? I feel so. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Like, what the hell are we going to get into? <laughs> no, this is great. But I, I, don't, I don't have... We were talking about this with Marco and talking about how, like, um, the... Um, well, there's two things that we talked about. Well, one thing, actually, that you've talked about before on your social media. Uh -huh. And when we're talking about work, uh, one thing I think you should do is make sure you're capturing all of your social media. A lot of people tell me that. Yeah. I just, like, write dumb things. But, like, you should, like, really... No, you, that, yeah. you, you should keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> but every month, make sure you, like, capture that uh -huh. somewhere. Because it's just, like, that book that that dude did, like, Tweets from My Dad. Have oh you have you heard of uh -huh, that? Uh -huh. or, or my grandpa? Or I feel like white people can get away with shit like that. You're getting away with it. Not true. You get what are you talking about? You're not. <laughs> like, oh, let me take a picture of all the bums in my neighborhood and make a book. A table book. <laughs> but your your <laughs> shit could be compiled into a book because it's fucking hilarious, and I don't have any of them yeah, in front of me. Yeah. But you're you're basically you're you're. Do you tweet or do you just put I'm this just on Facebook? Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're basically tweets. Yeah, though. yeah. You put yeah. tweets up or you, you put my, little, the way I view the world. 
and it's just like shit that happens to yeah. you and you put it up in a very entertaining yeah. way and it's all very personal yeah but it's entertaining and and that should be part of a book that's yeah. my suggestion that i think would do well <laughs> um but uh a lot of the stuff you put up is about like your dating life yeah and about uh, uh some of the stuff that's really funny or interesting is when uh when you uh run into basically white guys yeah and the kind of fetishization of the brown brother or they call what? you papi <laughs> <laughs> so that shit is hilarious, you know? And when you talk about it, it's really funny. But um, it, we talked about this with Marco and how there's, like, the subculture of, like, you have to do, there's, like, maybe the Latino gay clubs. Because yeah. when you go to the general gay clubs, it's, like, too much. Or you have to deal yeah. with too much bullshit. Um, and the music isn't on point. That's what he said. It's, like, all punchy. Zoom, 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 zoom. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, I don't dance like that. <laughs> have you how you've been in LA for how long a year now a year what's that been like and uh, from a cultural like I want I live in, in in East LA in Boyle Heights um there's taco trucks everywhere it's super brown the weather it's similar like this it's yeah. similar like San Jose like yeah. San Jose is super rasa like we're everywhere you know yeah. like I feel like yeah, that's why I feel like really comfortable over there. It's just it's basically the same thing. You have your pockets of, of things in in neighborhoods, but it's super. You know, like here, like the thing to do in San Jose, you know, is like dress dress up to do, go to the convention center because you know the, all the banda is playing, right? Like that's uh, yeah, LA is very much like that. You know, people dress up to go to the flea market here. You know, like it's True. it's it's like the same. Yeah. I think that's kind of similar way yeah. as opposed to San Francisco, you know, like sure. it's, you know, San Francisco super gentrified and, you know, there's still people holding on. But San Jose, I think it's slowly becoming that like yeah. now with the trans, the transportation getting a little bit. That's the thing. Like I remember when taking the 25, nobody wanted to take the bus. Now it's like trendy to like, <laughs> oh, my God, let me get on the light rail and go to the San Jose Museum. <laughs> Ain't nobody want to get on the bus. It takes forever. <laughs> it's fucking environmentally friendly, Ugh, dude. So annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, but I really like LA. Uh, it's a, it's, it's definitely. I really needed to, to step out and, yeah. and, and see something different. That's the first time you've lived away from the Bay Area. For away from the Bay Area, but yeah. I feel I see myself eventually coming back to San Jose. I like it here. It's more, chi it's super chill. Yeah, it's nothing like you know. I think LA feels a little more pretentious. You know, like, it does. Yeah. You know, certain pockets and certain yeah. people are very cars. Much. Everyone likes cars a nice everywhere, car. yeah. and everybody's in the industry, and yeah, you know. But I really like the fact that everybody's trying to make it. Everybody's like not boxing themselves in these like, I want my regular office job. Like people are out actually envisioning themselves into whether it is it for because they want to be popular, but you know, everybody's visualing themselves to be something greater. And yeah, I think it's cool, cool to be around that because then I'm like, oh, I actually I feel like if you're in the hood, people take your talent for granted. They're like, oh, why are you read those books? Why are you doing all that? Oh, it's very dismissive. Yeah, dismiss like yeah. nobody re yeah. sees you for your potential. Yeah. they're like, just get a job and like, yeah, be like know, the rest of us. There's the rest of us. Like, yeah, but over when you step into a place where everybody else is is hustling and grinding, then it's been and it's very much networking. Like, oh, I do this. Here's my card, yeah. you know. But I'm learning to be like that. How to sell myself to people. That can be a little annoying too, though. Honestly. Yeah, I when, mean, when a, everybody's like doing that shit, then it's like I oh, mean, a lot of people like, that yeah. give me their bio, and then I Google yeah. them, and I'm like, you ain't nothing. <laughs> but God bless your heart. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. I mean, I I think 
again t- coming back to like like because I'm not from here mm-hmm. and I feel like this is a place where there's a lot of people striving but it's a different like in the tech space yeah. like startups right yeah. so once you get into that shit like I went to a party last everybody week everybody has an app oh yeah everybody's <laughs> like and they'll, they'll bust out the uh, phone oh let me show you like hey what do you do I, I'm, I got this startup uh, let me show you you know here's my start showing you this shit and it's like nobody's gonna use that motherfucker like <laughs> people just need to find a niche like if somebody like if it's like there was somebody to develop an app for like like grinder but for like paisas bam there's a market giving you ideas point that um Everybody will download what it. What would you know? call the Paisa Grinder <laughs> I don't know. That should be interesting. That would be a good... What the fuck would you call it? I don't know. Paisa. We're giving people ideas. I'm telling you. Somebody's going to call it. Something that's really Metro PCS friendly. You know? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Cricket. Yeah, I know. Cricket Metro PCS uh, friendly. Uh, yeah. Something and like it's got to work somewhere. Uh, not international. Yeah. El Molcajete or something. Oh, my oh God. there you go. That's, that's, that's the grinder. That's a good one to say, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, like, like, everywhere I used to 25, I used to get hit on by so many senores. And, like, dude, this really? is so intense. That's interesting. Yeah, they used to follow me in the like, little bikes. And I would be like, what am I wearing? Like, am I smelling? Like, just, just like walking Do around, I just like, look easy? Do I just look Wait, talk like about that. Here? Like, literally, guys, like, older fucking paisas would hit on you? Yeah. Like, like, where? Like, at a bar or, like, just. At the bus. Like, I would be going to the bus. And they just be like chilling there, yeah. and then they just spark conversation. And you're like, "Why are you talking to me?" You know, like yeah. people are not, you know, people are friendly, but not that friendly. Yeah. Um, and they would, and then they, yeah, I already knew because then they would be like, "Oh, dónde vas?" My house. And you know, like, where do you want me to go, bro? <laughs> <laughs> They think, away, I, I know they they they, 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 they 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 think they so slick. Um, I mean, it's cute. I mean, I guess it's like you know, at least I still got go, I got attention. I got that Paisa aesthetic um, desire. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was I, very interesting. Is, is that that's probably like you know in in Canto when uh, Santiago talks about. Um, how these Latino men, like, as long as they're giving and not receiving. Yeah, it's very, it was very much like that. Because okay. they, they really hit on you, like, hey, Cotito, ¿dónde vas? I'm like, oh, that's yeah. so rude. But I feel like, I think, I'm doing, like, I'm trying to figure out, like, a cultural study for it. But it's very much like, you know, these are immigrant men. They're away seasonally working. Um, you know, like, language is an issue. I'm, I'm sure going out and socializing with women is totally different. Like, yeah. And so, what you got left, you know, like... You think you're just trying to get some You're like, yeah, you're just trying to get it in. And, you know, she ain't like that no more. (laughs) 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 I'm trying to get ahead. I have dreams. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy when... when uh, when Santiago talks about that. And he says, you know, el, el hombre venezolano le gusta pichar. Yeah, como dicen, con que tenga hoyo hasta de pollo or something. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's a Mexican thing. They're very much like that. I'm telling you, bro. If you don't speak Spanish, she said, as long as it's got a hole, even a chicken yeah. has a hole. Con basically. Hoyo hasta de pollo. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, I'm telling you, masculinity is very different. It's really strange. It's a strange phenomenon. I'm is so that masculinity, weird. though? I think so. Like, you're so boxed. And then sexuality is just so fluid. I didn't think, you know, Mexicans like, no, no, 100%. But sexuality is fluid. It's like... Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, does, is that even masculinity? I That's just know. fucking biological. Like, you want to fucking put it in a hole. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I am not an expert in that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> you're gonna have a lot of your listeners like, "What the fuck are y'all talking about?" 
No, but that's a weird. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I, like I think a lot of times, like maybe like we start getting like it, you get into the weeds when you start kind of like you said, it's fluid. Yeah. And so you get into the weeds or you start getting fucked up when you start trying to put it in a box. This yeah. is masculine and this uh-huh. is feminine and whatever. When at the end of the day, like men just want to fucking bust yeah, a nut. Yeah, we're just trying to get it in. You just yeah, you're trying to get it in, trying to bust a nut, and, yeah. and then you want to feel power over something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there are power issues. And then there's just biological need to fucking bust a nut. Yeah. And, you know, people do weird shit, you know, like, like people, you know, fucking jerk off in their car while they're police officer. We were joking about yeah. that. Like this cop got caught for, you know, people just fucking, they're jerking up. They're people doing weird just shit. just trying to get it in. But yeah, that was my experience growing up. And I mean, it was cool, but yeah, it was just. <laughs> it was, I don't know if that's, I don't know if I would, is that cool? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I guess attention from anybody, like that's a compliment. Not, I wouldn't say attention from anybody. But, well, true. But true. Um, yeah, it was I, for me. I it informed my work. Sure, <laughs> it informed sure. my work in what I'm doing now. Sure, um, sure. Did you ever have a girlfriend? You know, like I've always known I was gay. Like I remember since I was. I remember I've. Oh, it's always been like. I've always like I was like yeah. oh no you know like somebody did something to you and that's why you came out like that yeah. I'm like no I've always known like yeah. I've known since the Pocahontas movie came out because I love <laughs> Pocahontas I've known you know how I knew I was gay because I would always pick Chung Lee and Street Fighter I would always be Sonya in Mortal Kombat I was always Xena the Warrior Princess like there was just an affinity and when we I was like I've always a, fem- a feminist of color because I've always picked these and my older brother I grew up with my older older cousin and my older brother uh-huh. and they used to be like why are you doing that you know they were very like oh why are you always like picking the girls yeah. and i was like no because they kick better you know <laughs> uh, and now my older brother's like dude we always knew you were always like that um but i don't know i've always known no i've never really even like you didn't try uh, yeah, to use that no. as a front or anything like it, that it would have looked so fake like how am I, look it would be now me like oh this is my girlfriend like, like, bruh. You, <laughs> <laughs> All right, but you lie, yeah. you lie. Why yeah. you playing games? <laughs> no, and I've always, you know, I've always been the type of person like, you know, whatever. I, if, if I don't, I'm not gonna lie. I'm just, if I don't want to reveal something, I won't reveal it. But yeah, I, it, it's there's no point in me trying to lie about something. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we have a, a we know somebody in our family who's gay, and and when he came out to me. He was like expecting like a big reaction. And you're like, we got you. Know. Well, it was just like, yeah, like, I'm, what? You, yeah. you really thought we were going to be surprised? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's the same thing, you know? Yeah, and I feel yeah. like, and that's all the thing about like coming out. Like, when I was people like, oh, what's your coming out? So you're like, I didn't have one. Like, yeah. everybody always knew. Like, yeah. I wasn't going to sit my family yeah. down. Like, I have a secret to tell you, you know? Like, yeah. And then cry and then. You know, I morph into a butterfly and <laughs> fall into this gut. No, you know that doesn't happen in the hood. Like, we just yeah. get to work, <laughs> go yeah. back to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's what it was. Uh, yeah, I think. You, do you think this was? Um, do you think it was easier for you because you lived with your grandmother and you had like these older grandparents? Like, yeah, know? it's funny because my grandma, even my grandpa, he's such a like you know misogynist. Because he's such a like old school like he's a good guy, but it's when it comes to women, he's just not the best example. You know, oh, it's just so tragic. Yeah. It's just the way he treats women. It's just so horrible. And I'm like, dude, this is the universe cursing you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's the universe like uh, uh, doing justice to the to the world. Um, 
but yeah growing up they never really like inflict any gender expectations you know i always used to play and my mom was like you know i didn't grow up with my dad but my mom was hood too she would be like if you're outside and somebody hits you and come home crying that i'm gonna beat your ass too because you didn't fight um and so that's the kind of mentality that i came from like it was like if somebody punches you you punch them back if somebody calls your name you call them twice as bad something twice as bad (laughs) and it was and it's equal it's justice now that i'm older and existing in the social justice world you know i learned that i can't do that you know but yeah growing up my grandparents never they would do everything just to make me happy they never told me never were they uh violent or like you know don't play with that don't do that boys don't do that it was more like just it seems it seems like when it's more challenging for people it's because they had like a very strong like father or even a mom yeah mom who's very like who sets some expectations about what yeah my family i mean they're dramatic as fuck but it's just like they're not they're so chill like it i don't really see them as people that are very like you know, like my mom, they're like the type of family that you bring a friend over, they'll feed them, treat yeah. them good, and then they leave. I'm like, why the fuck you bring that person over? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you really talk shit. They don't. They don't tell you <laughs> to your face. But yeah, they're very. They're pretty chill, and they're all women, so they're more. They're yeah. more like relaxed. They're. They're not. Yeah. And they, you know, they're all like bitter women, and you know, men are not really seen as you know, good. <laughs> so reliable. Yeah. So as long as I'm not hurting anybody, I think they're really, yeah. they're good. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so when, when does your show start or what's the plan for that? So the plan, we premiered it in June. I got La Raza, just a stage reading. And the idea is to workshop it. I have yeah. a couple of universities that I'm touring and I'm going to be workshopping it. Y luego, the idea is to premiere it next fall with like, legit like my lines memorized like my yeah. stage uh good ass theater and yeah. and premiere it then and, and next next fall so i'm gonna be working and now that i'm going back to mexico in december really i think that's gonna influence more of the stories that are gonna go go into the show and then kind of bring it full circle yeah. um and yeah hopefully we capture some good images when i go back what are you doing now like what are you performing now when you go to like like last night at stanford is it mm-hmm. just a collection of stuff or yeah right now it's just a, coll- a poems and a collection of stories i have so i have this co- i'm working on this collection of short stories about the stories of growing up in my neighborhood like all the i grew up in apartment complexes so i feel like i had these really eccentric vecinos um so i'm writing stories about my experiences with some of them yeah, and yeah. like just like the ratchet stuff that people do in like a, a super Mexican neighborhood. Um, like yesterday I read a story about a Goodwill truck, you know, the Goodwill where people yeah. donate. We had this vecina that when we were younger, they used to uh, assemble all the kids in the neighborhood and she would take us to the Goodwill truck and then we used to ravage through things and then <laughs> help her find good shit so she could sell it at the flea market. Nice. And so I have this nice. story about, <laughs> about her like basically having a steal yeah um to have that like different stories about yeah. like the quirkiness uh, yeah. of neighborhood politics so yeah we have i have i'm working on a story about um so when i was growing up uh, in specific latino communities like it's more prevalent to see a lot of the trans girls like you know that we had this um transgender community our vecina used to invite them to perform at the at the christmas parties in the neighborhood really uh-huh. they used to come perform like the wow. like rocio dulca and gabriel they used to perform at the christmas parties right or the new year's parties because we had just them, like at home or yeah like, like in, in the, the apartment, apartment like in the apartment wow. Cause we had like a, a kermes or something like you know where uh, people 
gather. Like a courtyard, yeah. Yeah. We used to perform. And I remember one New Year's, like, there was a whole neighborhood fight. I'm really, I'm like, there was a neighborhood fight because the girls came to perform and they were like, you know, they're good and they're hella cute. They're super pretty. But then I'm telling you, I grew up in a super, like, the, the all these um, Mexican men, todos los jornaleros that come work seasonally. Then they started drinking and they wanted to take the girls home. But the girls weren't about it because they're like, I'm here to perform. Like, you don't need to be, like, you know, <laughs> harassing me. So I guess one of them pulled one of them or something like was Jeez. trying to force one and then all the girls attacked and there was a whole oh, neighborhood shit. rumble they broke windows it was it was turn and i was like <laughs> i was like eight or nine and just watching this like damn this is crazy and my grandma's like stay back just watch and then, yeah, <laughs> the, the cops came it oh, was just shit. a turmoil but i'm telling you poor people neighborhood people know how to have fun so <laughs> it gave me a lot of you know insight to write these stories Nice, nice. What do you what do you say to somebody who, uh, like a younger person who wants to to write or who wants to perform? Like, what are some of the things like that helped you overcome maybe some of the fears? And I think one of the fears was basically I was like, who wants to listen to this shit? Nobody really cares about Eastside San Jose. Nobody cares about your my grandma uh, fucking pushing a shopping cart filled with bottles. Like, what's the point of writing like that? Yeah. But then I read like you know Santa Cisneros, you know House of Mango Street, like super super simple language that's not like yeah. contrived. That's not like you know it's, I'm not writing like Hemingway. You know, like I'm writing yeah. super colloquial, super. Yeah like simple narratives so for me it's like just own that like own those quirky stories like we all yeah. have these little awkward um characters in our lives these yeah. people that you're like damn why is he like that or why is she like that yeah. um so for me it's owning that and also owning that you know we're all trying to figure it out i feel like if anything i you know like even the senores that were kind of like a little too forward for me like i feel like damn they're interesting i found them as interesting as characters because like they have a story yeah. and there's a reason that you know even like my dad who i don't really know and i write a lot about it's like i for me it's like trying to understand him more better yeah. as a writer and not judging him as a character and not presenting him as anything bad but more as like life happened to him and that's the reason he's like that um to my grandpa who's i'm telling you he's he's such a patriarch trying to understand where that comes from so yeah i think if anything writing your truth but also writing it in a sense that you're not, you know, you're just depicting people as their full humanity and not yeah. like these, you know, I don't think anybody's inherently evil. I sure. think they do yeah. things because, you know, they've been hurt or they do, you know, even like the most homophobic as people. I'm like, there's something that happened to you that you're acting like that. It's not that you're evil. But yeah. 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 What are your habits like with, with regards to writing? Like, what do you, do you have a process? Or, yeah. Know? Like, so basically I try so one I write it I record it so I record myself telling the story uh-huh. and then I transfer it into paper and I then I work on, on on the voices of the characters yeah and then if I feel like it's good then I'll, I'll perform it and try it out with an audience and then I'll go back because it's different from the page to the performance and the performance oh, is sure, different yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 that's been my process. And also, like, I've been trying to write every day, but that's hard because I got to work. But yeah. um, sometimes I just get inspiration. Oh, I come Every time I come back to Eastside San Jose, my grandma does something. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to write about this shit because yeah. this lady is just out of control. <laughs> She's out of control. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool. Cool. Well, um, 
I think we're coming to the end here. Where can people uh, learn about what you're doing? Um, yeah, so if you want to follow my ratchet life, you can follow me on Facebook, Yosimar Reyes. <laughs> uh, if you want to focus just on the poetry, <laughs> you can just go to yosimar.com. Um, and then there you'll find um, samples of my work, a lot of the video productions that we've been doing. Um, and, and yeah, where I'll be in my blog. Um, so yeah, I'm, it's very accessible. Yosimar.com? Yosimar.com, yeah. yeah. What, just real quick, because we didn't talk about this much, but what do you what do you do with uh, uh, what is it? Define American. Define America, yeah. Tell so Define American, I'm an arts fellow. So basically, what I'm they're helping me right now. It's one to develop the show, and second, I I, I joke a lot like I'm starting my own undocumented agency. So <laughs> my job is basically to to build with as many as doc, undocumented people as I can. Um, also to showcase that an immigration and undocumented issues are not just a Latino issue. Um, when we hear Hillary talk about immigration, it's always to the Latino appeal, like I'm gonna pass immigration reform. Sure. But it's not like you know, like it's it's a global issue. It's like the fastest growing population of undocumented people are Asians who are overstaying their visas. You know, it's not a Latino issue. So that's why I, my job is to kind of like navigate that and, and and to connect with as many undocumented people as possible to tell their story and help them kind of do it in a way that it's not that same narrative of like this yeah. tragedy but more like showing the triumph of undocumented immigrants in this country yeah so. and how, how can people learn about the stuff there so you just go to defineamerican.com and then there right now i think we're the one of the organizations that um hosts the biggest story bank of undocumented people so a lot of people uh, okay. go on our website um and to share their stories and yeah. undocumented immigrants so we have a, a really big story bank of people is it like videos or just text it's videos it's videos? videos and text so people yeah. use something you can shoot on your phone on your laptop yeah. um and just talk straight to camera and tell your story so we have one of the biggest ones so if there's undocumented people out there you can give us a shout out got it yeah cool man well Good luck with the rest of your stuff. Like I said, people, uh, you will hear about Hopefully. Yossi Mod eventually after this. <laughs> um, you've heard about you've heard of him now, but uh, you will hear more about this guy because um, I think mostly just because he's a fucking hustler and he's yeah, gonna make yeah. he's gonna fucking make sure you hear about him, and he's good at what he does. Um, there's a lot of good people. There's a lot of people who are good at what they do, but they're yeah. not hustlers. We out here. We're trying to get paid. So yeah, so you, you need both, man. You really need both, and that's you know I think that's part of the learning curve too as well. Because for a while, like you just want to be an artist and you're just trying to do your shit or whatever. Yeah. But you, that at some point you realize like I have to make this break because yeah. yeah. otherwise I can't do this. Yeah. Um. You, you need time. Um. But yes, you will hear about Yosimar. Um. And I look forward to seeing your show whenever it comes out. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Thank I you. Think you're one of the emerging voices uh, in this community. So, thank you. Appreciate you coming by. God bless America. Chicato madre, no All right, what's up, people? Thank you very much for listening. This Madre podcast number five is over. Very much hope you enjoyed that. If you did, please leave a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher or YouTube, wherever you're listening. Maybe leave some kind words for us. And check out Patreon, patreon.com forward slash desmadre. Chip in a buck, two bucks, whatever you feel. So inclined to give to keep this production going. Thanks so much. See you next week.